Welcome to the Brand Spanking You podcast with host Nicole Montgomery, a podcast dedicated to business and personal branding for the aesthetic industry. The essence of trust and rapport are the foundations of building a successful, sustainable, long-term business. Interviewing thought leaders and experts that have built successful personal brands, we share their stories and how they got to be where they are, plus sharing practical advice and actionable tips for you to implement today into your own personal and business branding. Today, Nicole speaks with Richard Crawford Small about how to create an entrepreneurial mindset. We, the last 12 weeks has literally moved us on decades. Um, I think there's a lot of commentators who are saying that actually what's happened in the world of kind of online retail, the demand on online retail is where they expected it to be five years time. So essentially everything's just shifted on five years. Um, and we don't, I don't expect it to actually kind of go back the way it was. I think people are getting more comfortable with, you know, buying things online with the, the adapting to the, the economy, the way it is. Um, so I can only see things continuing. So what I'm going to talk about today is I'm just going to look at a little bit about what I think the new world will kind of look like. Um, again, the perspective I'm coming from is from the UK, but I think there's a lot of, you know, uh, crossover between the two, the two economies. Um, and then I'm going to give you the sort of six rules for how you can kind of really um, prosper, not just sort of survive, but thrive in this new economy. But there are still kind of only two ways that you can come at this. And there's kind of Thor or there's Thor. And I like to work with businesses and people who are kind of thinking about things in a way of being lean, being efficient, being, you know, focused and driven. You know, a lot of people have used, you know, lockdown or, or quarantine as an opportunity to kind of kick back and chill, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But from an, an entrepreneurial point of view, you know, there are lots of opportunities ahead. And if you're focused, if you're in the right mindset, you've got your head switched on, um, you're going to be in a much, much better place um, than people who obviously than people who haven't. So just a little bit about me. I know you kind of go, guys know a bit about me, but um, for those of you who've never kind of spoken or heard me talk before, um, I've been in the UK uh, aesthetics market for about 15 years, uh, varying different roles, but generally sales and marketing. And I've worked with businesses of all different sizes from uh, small independent practitioners just starting out through to some of the biggest um, chains and clinics in in the in Europe, and I've worked with everything from small in you know small um, startup skincare companies through to capital equipment, so Botox, Juvederm, breast implants, and deal sizes of anything from like a hundred quid through three and a half million pounds. Um, so I've got a very broad view of the market. I do have clients in Australia. I've got clients in New Zealand, South Africa, um, you know, Emirates, uh, Canada. So, you know, we've got um, quite a, you know, a growing business and a nice sort of global spread. I'm also an author. So um, Changing Faces, I wrote and published in 2016. Um, if anybody wants a copy of it, feel free to shout. I'm happy to sort of stick one in the post. Um, it's helped a lot of people. Um, all I say is just, you know, leave me a review on Amazon. 
Um, and I've just finished book two called Changing Minds. Um, I'd finished it. I'm just about to send it to the publisher and then this hit. So I've literally had to, have to rewrite it to put in different, um, a chapter on what's happening at the moment, but that should be out in the market at the end of sort of end of June. Um, and with aesthetic entrepreneurs, what we essentially do is work with the, the business owners. We work with you as entrepreneurs to help you grow and develop. And through that process, you'll kind of discover about yourself, but then you'll also, you know, discover your business. And, you know, one of the things like getting you over the fear of selfies and Facebook Live and marketing yourself. And as I go through this talk, you'll see the importance of doing that. So what's just happened? Okay, if we think of it metaphorically, a, a meteor has just an economic and, you know, healthcare meteor has just hit the earth. Um, and just like the one in, you know, 65 million years ago that wiped out the dinosaurs, it, it's created an environment where certain businesses won't survive. Um, and ones that are not totally prepared for what's happening will die out. We must evolve. 65 billion years ago, the environment changed. Large lizards basically didn't survive. Smaller mammals thrived, evolved, changed. And we have to take that approach as business owners. We've got to evolve. The world has changed. It's never going to go back to the way it was. And this is a great opportunity to do that. So if you, you know, if you're sitting there listening to this, you know, grab a couple of sheets of paper and just start to sort of sketch things out. Because when I look at how things, how to move people through, um, you know, in, in, for future planning, is I look at it in group, groups of three. So three years, you know, obviously it's 36 months. And people kind of underestimate what you can achieve in three years. And, but break it down into four different categories. So if you look at your business, look at your clients, look at them as separate entities, not your business and clients together, but your business, then your clients, your own personal life and family gives you, you know, different um, kind of categories that you can look at. And where do you want these to be in three, in three years time? You know, what sort of business do you want? What type of clients do you want? How do you want to look and feel? You know, what kind of life do you want as an individual? And where do you want your family to be? So, it's always good to kind of take, you know, take stock of all of this, but now is a perfect opportunity to sit and think about, right, you know, open the doors on Monday. Well, really, what does that look like? What am I working towards? And because of, and the world will change. Now, a lot of commentators are talking about, we'll have uh, globally, is what they call an L-shaped recession. And you've kind of got to go back to, obviously back to, to 1918 for the last pandemic. But you've got to go back to sort of 1987 for the last L-shaped recession, where you get a massive shock and quick drop, and then a long period of recovery and rebuild. So the shock at the moment, I don't think it's really going to be felt until July. When that second quarter earnings come through, then the market will probably drop again, and we'll know exactly where we are. And then, <clears throat> then you've got a, a period of about six months where there's going to be a lot of anger a lot of fear a lot of recriminations a lot of you know why are we in this situation why are we in this mess and as i was sort of saying earlier you know as business owners i think that our responsibility is to work with our own communities to kind of be positive and show the way forward and there will be a recovery there will be a time when we're not in this situation but the rebuild process will take time and a lot of people are saying that actually that process where we don't get back to break even, and I'm talking about the markets here. So the peak was at night was the 16th of March, 2020. 
that we won't reach that again until mid-24. So there is a long period of recovery ahead of us. And also, you know, I think out of all of this, that we don't have to put the world back together the way it was. So currently, you know, one of these people is unemployed. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the most expensive sportsmen in the world, is literally useless at this point in time. Um, same with, you know, a lot of kind of highly paid athletes. But yet the, you know, I, I joke about my, um, you know, my spend over lockdown is sort of clothes, not much, entertainment, not much, you know, eating out zero, but my Amazon and food bill is massive. You know, it's like 17,000 pounds, I joke. But, and the DPD driver, the guy who is like the fittest bloke, we're on first name terms, we're good mates now. So cleaners, you know, every business, your clinics are gonna need to, you know, not that they weren't, you know, like that anyway, but the standards of cleanliness in across the commercial world is gonna have to change. So cleaners, delivery drivers, and obviously medical professionals are now have a much, much higher value of social worth, um, which I hope is you know, reflected um, as we move forward. So there are going to be winners and losers in all of this. And if we look at you know, the past, so if you look at this on the left-hand side, this is how things were. And when I say how things were, you kind of look into mid-March, you know, it's not that long ago where you made your business, you made your money one-to-one. -one. Um, you could afford to be quite reactive in marketing because, you know, we had a, a, you know, we had a booming market. People were walking in asking us for treatment, nice and easy. Um, you focused on treatments and, you know, and, and products. Um, we looked at the, the numbers that we looked at were, you know, how many likes and followers we had as opposed to what sort of engagement we were getting. And, you know, the aesthetic market and beauty, I guess, to a point was really heavily influencer driven. Now, everything's changed 12 weeks on and no one's made any money face to face. It's all had to be shifted online. So that's how currently, you know, people are making getting paid um, because it's quite noisy. You've got to be proactive. So you're getting out there, doing Facebook lives, doing videos, doing demos, all these sorts of things. Um, are how people are kind of engaging with you with clients. Talking about experience as opposed to treatments. So you can't do treatments. So everyone should be starting to talk about what it is that makes them special, about the experiences that they provide and how they're trans transformative for uh, their clients rather than the treatments that you provide. And I'll, I'll go into all of these in, a, in more detail. Focusing on engagement. You know, every single person who comes into your world through you know Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it is they do, if they take the time to you know comment on your posts, you should engage with them, and that's going to be much more valuable. And then the final thing, as I said, is leadership. At this moment in time, the world needs leaders. We need people to step up and show the way. And it doesn't matter what market you're in, or where your business is, or how big it is, you have a community, and that community is going to need you to step up and help them. So those are the rules essentially. So if you take all of those things and break them down into kind of six steps over the next six months, you could probably take one of these a month and come when we come into the sort of growth, the recovery phase in January, because I would really start to be thinking about what your business looks like in 2021. 2020 is a bust, you know, halfway through it already. What a, what a year that was, <laughs> you know, it's just, we've got to get through the rest of it. And then 2021 is where I think we'll start to see some recovery. So we will start thinking about what our business is going to look like. Um, and the first thing we need to do is, is change ourselves. And acceptance is the first part in changing your mindset. 
And we've got to accept that we have to lead. And here's a wonderful quote from Gandhi, but you, you know, I'll leave you to read it, but I'll just focus on that last line, which is that we need not wait to see what others do. The point about leadership and why I think being, I love being an entrepreneur. And the reason I love being an entrepreneur is because we can affect change very, very quickly. I don't need permission from my boss to do something. I don't need permission from anybody, essentially. Obviously, we've got regulatory frameworks to work within, but I don't need to ask permission for anybody. I can do what I like. So I can create that change really quickly. And it's going to be people like you who are going to make the changes. So we can think quickly. We can act quickly. The status quo, just because it's the, the way it's always been done, doesn't need to be the way it continues to be. So I ask, you know, encourage you to kind of look at what's not working, what hasn't worked, and put it together, back together in a different way. We don't need to create the world again in the way it was. We shouldn't do, because clearly it wasn't working. So one of the ways you can do this is to look at what sort of business you are, but what sort of business you want to become. So most, a lot, you know, most businesses essentially across the world, especially in the UK, are boutique businesses. So they're owner operators. Um, and they're, they're there, um, you know, with very, very little risk, but obviously very, you know, the revenue's smaller. So, you know, you may be working from home or you've got a small clinic in the back of the, you know, back of the garden, something like that. And then as your business grows, then you take the next step into a lifestyle business, which is where you've got higher overheads. You've probably got fed up of working from home. So you maybe you've taken a room in a salon somewhere or you've bought a very, a small salon. So that's your, you know, and it funds your lifestyle. The next step up from that is a performance business. Now, the reason it needs to perform is because you now have staff. So it's not just about you. If a lifestyle business doesn't work, it's only you who are affected. If a performance doesn't, doesn't work, then you are affecting lives of other people. So your risk increases, but also your responsibility increases. And then a high performance business is where basically it needs to generate a re an amount of profit every month or every week. So, you know, systems are in place, processes are in place it's run efficiently, you've probably got quite a large number of staff. And then a corporate or a chain is essentially a number of high performance businesses kind of strung together. So that's essentially how I look at how the market works. And you've got to choose where you know where you are, and then choose where you want to be. So if you're a boutique business, and you want to have a performance business, which essentially means that you've got something that will generate revenue without you being involved in it, then that's what your plan needs to be over the next three years, next 36 months. If you're a performance business, you want to sell out, then you obviously you need to create the framework and the environment to make your business attractive to sell. And we also have to get our head into that we only have three resources at our disposal. All we have are time, energy, and money, and they're all finite. And it's about, as an entrepreneur, for me, it's a balance of managing these three things. So if I want to get something done, if I've got the time and the energy to do it, I can do it myself and save myself some money. If I've got money, I can invest that in other people to do it and save myself time and energy. But obviously the more, more money I spend, I've got to get a return. So that might be a diminishing resource, but I'm hoping that the energy and time comes back to me. So these are, this is it. This is all we've got to play with. And you've got to change again, change the way you're thinking about certain things um, to make the best of each one. Again, a lot of, uh, of owner-operators of businesses are afraid of spending money. So they burn a lot of time and energy doing things that they shouldn't be doing. 
And because you guys make your money doing certain things, provi providing treatments, talking to clients, you know, that's where you make your money. The more time you can spend in front of a client, the more money you'll make. The less time you can spend on admin and all that sort of stuff, you'll make more money. So you've got to change the way you're thinking about things. The, the next thing is, is you have to have an online offering. Now, I'm sure a lot of you, um, you know, during this kind of um, lockdown quarantine, have really been looking at this. But I'm going to give you some stats and some data, uh, obviously from a UK perspective, but again, I think it's probably relevant across the board, is the world has changed and it has gone online. Like I said earlier, we think it's probably a moved on by five years. Amazon stock price going through the roof. Why? Because Amazon, you know, they're really easy to deal with. It's really easy to buy from, you know? it's actually easier to return things to Amazon than it is to buy from a lot of online businesses. Um, and they are the benchmark, honestly, one click to buy it's, you can look at that, that as a, as a benchmark for yourself. If you can be as easy to buy from online as Amazon, you're going to make money. But then you look at French connection. So, um, you know, they saw their online sales rise by 44%, but one of their head, their marketing team said they don't think business will be back to normal for some time. I wouldn't, my online sales are up by 44%. Guess what that's telling me? It's, I'm going online. I wouldn't, you know, it's a really, it's, it, it just showed me that the way that some businesses are thinking. And then the third thing that I found fascinating over this time is Facebook launching a shopping feature. Now, for me, I think it's just, I'm really excited about this because essentially when companies or organizations like Facebook launch things, they put a disproportionate amount of effort into making sure they work. So we know that their algorithm is, is favoring live broadcasting and group content. Um, so if you're creating a sort of a, an online community and you're doing Facebook lives, what I'm expecting to happen is the, the online shop, the shopping feature, if you like, like be like Etsy is being able to connect that when you're doing a Facebook live. So essentially what you've got is QVC on your phone, you talk about your products or services, and then you can be able to give someone a link to buy immediately from that live. It's huge. That's going to be so powerful, but you know, we need to be able to take advantage of that. Now here's some, just some data from the UK about consumer confidence. So if those of you who don't track this, I would get into the habit of doing this. So what I, I do is I have a list of, of stats and, and data that I want to know about on a monthly basis. And one of them is consumer confidence. I want to know how people are feeling. And there's um, a website called uh, Internet Retail. If you've not come across that, put that on your list of things to look at a month. Um, find you know, the data that's relevant to, obviously, to your own market. But if you look at this, this was 25th of March. And 67% of people said that after COVID was finished, the health issue was finished, they'll go back to shopping how they did before, that they wouldn't really change that their, their approach. Now, um, just a few weeks later, that shifted massively. So now less than half of them are saying that they're going to go back shopping like they did before. I'm, you know, at our house, RCS Towers, right? I've got four kids. Dragging four kids around the supermarket is just horrible. And now through COVID, I've not been able to do that. We've had food delivered here. You know, we're lucky enough to be able to do that. So guess what? I don't have to, I've been to a supermarket for eight weeks. I'm loving this. So... And I think a lot of people are also having these same experiences. This is habit forming. So you, if you are online, I would be thinking about my strategy being what, how much more can I do online? And if you're not, 
I would be putting myself into a bit of a race to look at, right, how can I move a said part of my business to be delivered online? And one of the things we need to do is look at is, is, is how we generate trust. So trust is a currency. I mean, if you think about things like your credit rating, your credit rating is basically your, the market's faith or their trust in your ability to repay your debt. So if it doesn't trust you, you get a low credit rating. If it does, you get a high credit rating. If you look at a, you know, any currency, on the currency it says, I, I promise to pay. So every, all, everything's built on trust. And the elements of creating trust are likability, authority, and credibility. If you can demonstrate those three things to people, then you'll build trust and it makes it easier kind of sell. Now, when we're one-to-one, face-to-face, it's easy to do that body language, et cetera, et cetera, all these kind of things. So the question then is, well, how do you demonstrate trust online? You have to, basically, you've got to create content. So here's a little tip, here's a little one. Do you know what? No, we'll bin that one. Okay, so we now know, we've got two things. We need to know, we know we need to change our mindset and we need to know that we need to have an online offering. Now, the third rule is, I want you to become ruthless with your time and start to outsource things. Again, as, as owner operators, as entrepreneurs, we are massive control freaks and no one has as much passion for our business as we do. No one else can do anything as well as we can, but you need to start to outsource things. And a couple of tools that I use are this. It's called List of Life, The Eisenhower Matrix, Evernote and, um, and Upwork. So, um, it's, yeah, so these are the things that we use. Okay, list of life, Eisenhower matrix, up, Evernote and Upwork. And the list, a list of life, okay, it's, these are really simple tactics to help you clear your head. So one of the things I do is once a week, I literally just brain dump everything down in a piece of paper. And I, I look at the categories that I had, we know which were um, your uh, business, life, clients, and family. And I just do a list of all the things that I've got going on in that that uh, that time just get it out of my head as soon as you've done that you will you will feel better you will feel much better you'll have clarity clarity already just from getting that out of your head and then i drop it into what's called an eisenhower matrix now eisenhower matrix you may be familiar with was created by uh gen uh, he was general at the time dwight d eisenhower um he was the supreme commander of the allied forces in 1944 so he was responsible for d-day and then he later became the US president. And he created this framework of prioritizing tasks. So what I'll do is I'll look at that list and then now I can do it pretty much just quite, quite quickly. But in the early days, I'd take a different color pen, make a bit of a drama out of it because it helps, to think, helps you to think. Um, and next to my list, I would write one with a green pen next to the things that only I could do and I needed to do it now. And then I would write uh, in a blue pen two next to the stuff that only I could do, but it didn't need to be done now. And then I'd write three in a different color next to things that need to be done now, but I didn't, I didn't need to do it. And then four in red next to all the stuff I didn't need to do, get rid of it. And then once, and then I'd go look at my ones. And if I didn't have any, if I had more than three, I'd go through those again until I had only three in each one, only three. Because, and then, I would look at them again and think, do I really, am I really the only person who can do all of this? Now, the thing is, is I want you to be ruthless about this because the truth is that you get paid 
by for performing treatments. I get paid by the more time I spend with clients, almost like the t more times I spend doing presentations, webinars, um, coaching. That's why I get paid for. I don't get paid for doing my receipts. I don't get paid for doing my, re my zero reconciliation. I don't get paid for booking appointments. I don't get paid for, you know, you know what I mean? There's lots of stuff that I do, I can do. I don't get paid for putting Canva posts together. You know, there are lots of things that I could fill my time with, but they detract from the, my ability to deliver what I need to deliver. So I've become quite ruthless at looking at what I do. And every week I work through the same process. It's a learning process of what I can delegate. And the more, once you start doing that, start going, you know, getting rid of it, it starts to become a habit. And you're suddenly thinking, wow, this is great. So how I also, how I structure things is I use an app called um, Evernote, but I still have a, you know, I still use a, you know, a, a paper journal. I still put my thoughts and notes down into a book, but when it comes to kind of mimicking what I'm doing, so I mimic the structure of the Eisenhower matrix in Evernote. And what this does is it gives capability. Reason digital notes are important is because if you're working with a broader team, you need to be able to share what you've written. So if I'm writing some notes or a process, yeah, rather than writing it in my book, I'll type it up in Evernote because then let's say, for example, I'm introducing someone, here's a recent one I did, my podcasts. So I wanted someone to take over. Uh, I will do the podcast, but I wanted someone to take over uh, the distribution of it. Now, if I had all that written in my book, I've got to type it out again. But what I did is I looked at the process, I went through it, I typed it all down, and that gave me the capability to send it to someone with links to the podcast, with you know links to Dropbox folders. So you need to get into the habit of using something like this. I call this my second brain. So there's things that you, you know, ah, oh, that's really good. I wish I remember that. Cut it, copy and paste it into something like this. Um, here's, you know, don't like bookmarks and things like that on the web browsers. They get really messy. So have a, a folder here. I've got one called links and URLs. So all the important stuff, I literally just copy it and I'll paste it in there. And then I don't have to go hunting for it. I know where it is. It saves me time, ruthlessly efficient. You know, you, know, you look how crazy your bookmarks gets on, on your browser. It's wait, it's just, I don't like having that kind of clutter. So I need things to be done like this. Because I'm, I'm not a natural planner. I've had to learn to do all of this. And every single day, this is a task I have to do. And it's to go against my natural urge to like basically wing things. So there's a website called Upwork, which I encourage you to go and have a look at, which basically gives you access to global job market. Um, and for admin, it's brilliant. So I, I created you know, the, the, the brief of what I needed done. And then I can go to, the, go, go, go to the Upwork, the global job market, and I can find someone to do that job for me. And it's given me a capability. It's given me a team that I can expand and contract as I need. So I've got a virtual assistant. I've got someone who does my video editing. I've got someone who's building a, a learning management system for me at the moment. I've got someone who schedules all of my social media posts. And I've got someone there who helps to create content for me. So, you know, at $5.50 an hour, I'm not creating Canva posts anymore. They know my, you've got my brand book. They know what fonts I want to use. There's an image library they can go to. And it's like, right, go and create some stuff. You know, they can't really get it wrong because it's all controlled. 
but at five dollars fifty, I'm not doing it. No way. So, um, you know, I, I encourage you again: be ruthless with your time. So, if you're spending time creating Canva posts, or you're spending your time doing this, doing that, that's something that someone else can do. Now, you need to be experienced focused. So all of this, what this will do is we've changed your mindset. We've now moved your business online. We've given you the headspace and created some time. So, you know, this could be month three. So we're now looking, you know, maybe just after the summer or sorry, winter for you guys. It's the only time I get pleased to be in the UK is when we go into the summer and you guys are coming out of it. So if you've got something that gives you, feels you good value for money is the experience outweighs the price you paid. And if you think it's given you poor value for money, it's because the experience hasn't outweighed the price you paid. So the, in, the equation is always like that. So if what, as a consumer, we are measuring is the experience over price, then surely the focus should be on the experience, not the price. So what we need to do is be focused on creating the best experience, and then the price becomes irrelevant. And the way to do this and i'll sort of i'll just dwell on this a little bit and then i'll take a breather uh if there's any questions or anybody's got anything they want to ask me um is about creating a framework a model that enables you to move a client on a journey and at each stage of this you are creating experience so you can see this says gifts entry level bread and butter and upsell so a gift everything for me starts with gifts you know you've got to get people engaged and um, get them interested and a gift is some education honesty insight or experience when your gifts is content your gift is not the consultation it's not so for me my gift this is a gift you know this, I'm giving you education honesty insight experience uh, through through a you know a webinar through a Facebook live um, through you know my connection you know with a wonderful lady a wonderful group um, who, you know, we, we're adding value to. Now, you should actually kind of be doing the same thing. And, you know, what are your Facebook lives like, your webinars, the content that you're giving to your community, um, you know, the education, honesty, insight and experience, that's what you're giving as a gift because it starts a conversation. And then after that, once people have kind of got to know you, they are a little bit pre-sold. And when they reach out, then the entry level is it's small, but it's effective. So that's the consultation. And in the digital world that we're coming into, I think that used to be, hey, come in for an appointment. Now it's much easier. Now it's kind of like, hey, we'll do a Zoom call. And think about how you can add to the experience. Some really simple tips, easy way you could do it, is with Zoom, you can record the call. So why not do a consultation with them, record it, and then send it to them you know, as a, as a, you know, there's the gift here. There you go. There's your con there's a consultation. You can get it transcribed. Just package it up a little bit as a product. And there you go. And you charge them for it, you know, whatever you think is appropriate. But then after that, they've obviously then book in for what I call your bread and butter treatments. So in, in the kind of, if you're looking at laser, for example, bread and butter treatments, hair removal. Okay. So it's stuff that you do often. It's repeatable but it covers your costs. So one of the mistakes I think people make is the bread and butter treatments. They try and generate profit from it. Now I know this might sound a little bit weird, but your bread and butter stuff will generally cover your costs and your upsell is what generates profit. And the reason it's important to do it that way is because if your bread and butter stuff is automated and it's efficient and it's easy to do, 
then it frees you up to actually kind of really focus on generating quite a large amount of profit from the upsell. So if you've got, you know, rice, really nice slick process to get people through this model and they're doing, you know, hair removal, then the upsell from there is things like creating, you know, packages, special sources, all of that, because at the upsell point, that's where trust is, you know, trust is really reinforced. You've delivered all the way through. So they've had lots of treatments with you. The trust is built and now they're ready to take that next step. One mistake I think a lot of people make is they try and go straight from entry level to upsell. They go straight from that to the high ticket point and forget about building the relationship. The bread and butter stuff's all about relationship building, but getting paid for it. Um, you know, so if you charge at entry level, there's, uh, you know, a relationship is being built on value. If you charge, if you give too much away for free, the value's not there. But how do you how do you deal with having um, clients from all over the world? Because in Australia, if you have um, a client in WA or in Adelaide, oh, Adelaide's not so bad, but the time difference is can be significant with daylight saving. So it must be huge. Yeah. For you. Well, as we've discovered, it's really easy to get it wrong, right? <laughs> well, I'm hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to things like Time Buddy, but at that point, that's when you know essentially diary management becomes important, and it's. What I find is the person is so if I've got a, where I didn't work with you, where we've got an appointment, if I've got an appointment with someone in like New Zealand, for example, I'll ask them to set the appointment so it goes into my diary. So I've got the time that they're expecting it and it will pop up in my diary and it sometimes it will pop up and it's like four in the morning and it's like, well, no, that's, you know, we need to adjust it. Um, so it's doing it kind of a work client side. Um, but sometimes you just have to be clever about it. So often I'll do a video, right? And just say, hey, you know, we'll have, a, I'll, I'll do a quick video. I'll post it, I'll put it on Slack. And then when they, they watch the video, if there's anything they need, comment. Um, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's about, I say, maximizing the efficiency and using, like, almost someone said to me once, we're great if you clone yourself. And that's something that's sort of stuck in my head is you can you just do a video. So if you find yourself talking about the same thing over and over again, you just do a video. So if lots of your clients ask you the same question, well, you know, what happens if this happens? What if that happens? We'll just do a vid. And then you can do it in your FAQ. You send it to them. They've got a whole list of things. So in that gifts bit, it moves them quite nicely from that to that. Cause in all the questions they've got, they can literally just go onto the YouTube channel and all the questions that you've been asked for a year, I've got short five minute videos in there. You've cloned yourself. You've saved yourself yeah. hours of time by not answering, you know, re routine questions. Mm. You know, it, it just comes back to, like you said, being a strong leader in your, in your business. And yeah, it's, it's not being, it's not being afraid of, of that aspect of it, of talking about it and saying, Hey, look, you know, world's changed. I've got to put prices up. Um, so, um, and it's actually funny, it leads me on to actually the, the next part of this is it's about the way that you tell that story and the experiences that you give. So that's a nice little segue actually onto the sort of just the, the last, um, last 10 minutes or so of this. So um, when we talk about being experienced focused, what I mean is it's, it's about the stories that you tell. Now, I, from here, if you're listening to this, Go and Google your number one competitor and have a look at and rank their stories on this kind of this scale. So one being commodities driven and five being transformational. So one being the lowest value, five being the highest value. Now, 
a death of a commodity. When I experience pain, this I, I use Botox as a, an obvious example because everybody kind of knows about it. So Botox, so the commodity of Botox is the Clostridium botulinum bacteria. Okay, so by definition of a bacteria, there are loads of them. Um, that particular one, if you have too many of them, it will definitely ruin your day. But generally, as a as a rule, it has a very little value. It's just the raw material. Now you take that raw material, you put some R&D into it, you discover some things, you purify it, you um, take one serotype and one molecule size, um, you stick it in a vial, you stick a label on it, call it Botox, you've got your product. And that's the second, you know, add value to it. Then we add a little bit more value, we pass it to a practitioner, they fill it with saline and they, they administer the procedure. And that's generally where people stop, you know, they are that the sort of, you know, I'm an injector or I'm a cosmetic this or that's where they stop. And the stories you can tell, everyone can tell those same stories. Story one, two or three, all of your competitors can tell the same story. Now, the clever ones, we jump what we call the barrier of apathy. So we learn how to tell epic stories. Now, the barrier of apathy, I call it that because essentially it... Um, you need to invest time, energy, and money into it, right? You need to put those resources in place. And we talk about experiences and transformations. So experiences, you start talking about how you use those things, the commodities, goods, and service, to create an experience that's transformational. So that's essentially the game that you're in. We're in we are in the outcome business. So regardless of whether you're listening to this as a, you know, a practitioner performing a treatment or, you know, coach, consultant, whatever, we all get paid based on the outcome. So we need to be talking about the outcome, not how we get there. Talking about the experience. So, you know, what happens by it's like working with us, getting our clients to share those stories about how we have transformed them, taken them from a point to another point and what the journey was on the way. These are the stories that people like to hear. Um, you know, and then then it's sort of talking about us as individuals, sharing a bit of our personality. Remember, I said earlier about you know the things that build trust. Likeability is number one. Likeability, authority, and credibility. Those are the three things. Likeability is the first thing. And if people can't see you, then how do they? How can they like you? And the stories, you know, people think oh, about telling complicated stories. The stories aren't complicated. Watch Rocky, right? Well, I love Rocky movies. Rocky one, two, three, four, five, and also the Creed movies, you got Rocky Balboa and the Creed movies. So like eight Rocky movies. They're all the same story, right? The storyline's the same, every single one of them, but we all love them because it tells the hero's journey where, you know, here's where I was, here's where I want to get to, montage, 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 and the bit of success at the end. And people love the struggle. So you share those kind of stories. Seek about engagement. So the more that you share those stories, the more that you do these things, the more that you're going to engage with people. And I am a big fan of a kind of a, a bit of a split strategy. So if we take, um, you know, Richard Branson, for example, he's not massively popular in the UK at the moment um, for, for various reasons. But um, if you look at him, you know, we all know who he is. We know, you know, that he's, a, as he says himself, a tie loathing adventurer and thrill seeker. Um, but he's on, on Instagram, he's got 4.3 million followers. The company that he's a chairman of has only got 212,000. So people don't really want to listen to what Virgin has to say, but they're 
desperate to hear what Richard Branson has to say. Um, and you guys should be, should be doing the same thing. So you've got this kind of split strategy where it's you as the individual, the personal brand, but also then you have your business brand as well. And I've employed exactly the same thing, right? Learn from the best. And started off, I haven't been on Instagram that long, but we're growing. But it's, I am the, almost like I'm the, the supporting cast behind the aesthetic entrepreneurs. You won't see the brand without me too close or like too far away from each other. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm its spokesperson, essentially. That's kind of what I do. What do you do for a living? I'm the spokesperson for aesthetic entrepreneurs. I sell the whole thing. And that's exactly what you are. You are the entrepreneur. You're the person who should be talking about your business um, all the time. Because if you're not going to be doing it, then who is? So, and for that to happen, you've got to sort of step out of yourself. And when someone does take the time to engage, so those 1,738 followers that I've got on, on Instagram, I've engaged with them. I'm not really, I don't really care that much about how big my following is. What I care about is how engaged they are. So how many, you know, when they comment, I'm there, you know, once or twice a day, answering the comments, engaging with them. When other people post about the sort of hashtags, that's why I asked you to post on the hashtags. So we can go and have a look and, you know, engage with people, um, tell stories, you know, that's what it's all about. And, don't think that this is all kind of, you know, airy fairy or wishy washy. It actually has an impact on the valuation of your business. So if you look at this as a, this is how basically this business is evaluate, valued. So in the um, middle line, you've got the benchmark. And on the right hand side, you've got that equation V equals P times M. And what that stands for is value is equal to profit times a multiple. So that's how businesses are generally valued is we take the profit, and then we multiply it by a multiple. Now, the multiple, you may as well say it depends. It's a variable and it's based on different things. So of that line, what's below the line will take will detract from the multiple and what's above it will add. So things that will obviously detract from a business valuation. So let's say for argument's sake, that business is valued at $100,000, okay? Um, if, your cost, if you've got a cost base that's not being managed, well, we take $10,000 off of that. If you don't have a recurring revenue stream, so essentially if you don't have an online business or you haven't got a subscription, we'll take 20,000 off of it. If you don't have any assets, we'll take 30,000. Um, if you don't, if you have debts and liabilities, that should be 40,000, but there's a typo there. So take 40,000. Paradigm shift, okay? So what we're experiencing at the moment with, with COVID, pandemic, that's a paradigm shift and it could knock anything from 60 to 95% of the value off a of business. If you look at airlines, airlines are experiencing that right now, that the paradigm shift is smashing their value and their business models will have to change. Now, if you look at it from your point of view, let's say for argument's sake that, you know, in your next six months, you're going to be addressing some of that. You can't cut costs to growth. You cannot do it. So let's say, for example, you're going to be looking at all of those things, but we're going to start talking about culture your vision, your values, your capabilities, your talent, start telling those stories that I talked about. You get experience focused. You actually increase the value of your business by about one and a half times. If you have an online offering and a process and a systemization, you'll be increasing your value by about 1.4.
if you've got products that you can extend, if you've got things that you can sell to different markets, again, online, you might own brand some of your stuff, 1.6. So you can see as, as you go up the ladder, your business grows, but this is all stuff that you could be doing anyway, because when you get to the kind of the top, maybe you might not want to sell, but what you'll have is a business that will probably run without you being involved, which is fantastic because, hey, you know, businesses sell when they're valuable. Um, and a business that literally someone could walk in and go, wow, look at this. I love all of this. It's got brand. It's got processes in place. It doesn't rely on the owner. You've got products that we are selling in four different markets. And for you, a market doesn't necessarily need to be overseas. You could be selling it, you know, Australia is big enough. But you can sell it in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, you know, Perth. Perfect. That's what I would say is a scalable business. You've got, you know, it's, it's such, it's, that's the, one of the benefits you've got of, your, of the ter territory, New Zealand as well, something far away. So you've got the, um, you know, the infrastructure all there to support all of that. And then the final thing is about, it's about leadership. Again, coming back to my point at the beginning is you need to demonstrate leadership and you need to build communities. Now, you know, again, Nicole will back me to the hilt on this, that the, the, the opportunity with Facebook groups is huge. You know, if people are, I get asked the question a lot, what's the quickest way to grow my business online? And I'll go set up a Facebook group and do Facebook lives in it. And that's it because those are the two things that the platform is prioritizing. Its algorithm is designed to promote increased reach of Facebook lives, but it's also there to promote group content. So if you've got a thousand people in a Facebook group, they're going to see your group posts. They're improving the reach of, it's always, it's working towards favoritizing the group, the reach of the group. Also, you know, when they add the shop into that as well, you've got these abilities. But all of this starts with actually having the community in the first place. If you don't have them, then you're, you're not going to be able to grow. And take everything back down to the core thing of trust which is if your clients trust you to solve their problems for them, then you'll never have to sell anything ever. So it all comes back down to how do you create trust? And as we go into this sort of the new economy, um, that's one of the, that's for me is going to be the key. Um, the key currency is do I trust you to deliver on what you say you're going to deliver? And um, if you can demonstrate that quickly online with lots of different assets, then you're going to jump way ahead of your competition. Any questions? Oh, so, so much great information in there. Oh my goodness. How can anybody within our group, how can they work with you? Some of, we've got our own Facebook community, etc. entrepreneurs. Um, feel free to go in there. If you go to the website at um, aesthetic-entrepreneurs.com, we'll take you, you can literally click on that, go to group and join the group, join the community. And um, we have a number of different solutions. The one I'm going to talk to you about today is Launchpad. Now, Launchpad is essentially our um, strategy program. So it, what it does is it gives you the framework to do what I've just talked about. And then there are further kind of programs we've got to help you activate it. So this gives you the language. It gives you the, the tools, the, the, you know, help you with the mindset aspects of things and give you the framework to be able to do all of that. So I'll just quickly run through four things for you, which is kind of like what it is, or, you know, why I created it, what it is, how it works, and um, when we started. Um, so why? Okay. I, I created Launchpad kind of by accident about a year and a half ago. Um, and it was, 
what I was doing was what I found myself working with, when I was working with um, smaller or you know, more entrepreneurial businesses. What I found was that there was a lot of, a lot of fear and overwhelm that I needed to deal with first. So I couldn't get people focused on, you know, growing the business when they were in this kind of fight or flight mode where you had, you know, it's the three kind of types, three brains. We've got the lizard brain, the, rep, the lizard or reptile. We've got the kind of mammalian brain and then the human brain or the, the neocortex. And when people are stressed, they're generally in that fight or flight mode and people are panicking about money. They're panicking about what's going to happen in the future. You know, there's still quite a lot of that around. And what we need to do is first thing is you just got to chill everybody out and just, and the way we do that is through planning. So planning structure, you know, people see a clear plan, they suddenly calm down. You know, when you get a bit of money coming through the till, people calm down. So we manage that with a plan. You create the fear and overwhelm, handle all of that. Um, we help you to sell your number one asset. Be interested to know if what you guys think your number one asset is. If you just pop in the comments what you think your number one asset is, that I'll come back to that. But we help you to sell that. We help you to help you to handle your competition. People get really panicky <clears throat> when competitors do things. And the reason is, is because you're not focusing on the right things. So we get you focused like eyes in the boat. The best analogy I can use is rowers. Okay. So Olympic level rowers, the cocks, if you've got one other, one person is looking at what the other boats do. If you're in the boat, you're just rowing. You're doing your best, best you can do. Um, so it's just you versus yourself at that situation. We get you focused on that. And then the third, fourth thing is make money, right? You're allowed to make some money. You are in a commercial world. You are business people and businesses have a, you have a, actually a responsibility to make money. If you look at the art, articles of incorporation, I'm sure in Australia, they're the same, that you are actually obliged to generate a profit. So, you know, you're not doing your civic duty otherwise. And also, why are you doing this? You know, if you're not in this to make a bit of money, why are you doing this? Do you just like stress and pressure and, and horrible stuff like that? You know, like holidays are nice things. So what is it? Essentially what Launchpad is, is it's a combination of an online masterclass um, and modules. So we have an online learning platform, uh, a Facebook group, and we do uh, live coaching and um, workshops. And the first module is all about finding essentially you. So I look at exercises to pull you out to understand what your goals are. What is it you really want to achieve? You know, what does that three year plan look like? What is it that you want to achieve for yourself, for your family, for your business? What is it you, what type of clients do you want? And really pull that out because then once we've got that out in front of us, we know what we're working with. We know what your strengths and weaknesses are and we can then take sort of steps forward. Um, we then we look at who your target client is. I call it an ideal avatar, the sort of digital representation of your, um, your buyer persona. But we, we look at who that is. Not enough people do any work on who they're selling to, who it is they're actually trying to communicate with. So we really find that, what their goals are, what their hopes, dreams, challenges are. And then once we know that, once we've got what we call like a PhD in your client's problems, then we can look at creating that uh, pathway I showed you, where we go through gifts, um, entry level, uh, bread and butter and upsell, and creating that structure that really provides the, the, the solutions to the challenges that your clients have got. And sometimes you'll be surprised what they are looking for as opposed to what you think they're looking for. 
And then module four is about content creation. So the final part of all of that is all of us is all the way through. We're encouraging you to do video. We're encouraging you to do Facebook lives, to put yourself out there. But when we get to the end, one of the, some of the questions I often get about, uh, about content or social media is I don't have any, you know, is I don't know what to say and um, I'm not consistent. And by this point, what you've got is you've got a lot of content already because you've told, you've worked the stories out. Then we can get into actually literally just how you distribute that content and how you create it. So Facebook lives, et cetera, et cetera, walking through all of that. Um, we have people we work with um, in, in the UK who can help along those sorts of things. I think some of them have, you have US distributors actually. Um, Yes, I know some of them do have US distributors. But you know, if there's something that says, if there's a gap in what you need, we can probably help you fill it. And we've got our, our own uh, community. So there's an accelerator community where there are, you know, like-minded people um, who um, can help you along that journey. And yeah, you also get a copy of my book. So this is kind of what it is. This is how it, how it works. You've got the videos, uh, the modules down one side and Essentially, it's video-led, so you can work through it at your own pace. Um, and then we've got the combination of that and the Facebook group, where I go live um, you know, once or twice a week in that group. We've got other mentors in there as well who sort of specialize in the clinical aspects of things. And you, you're, you're really well, well supported um, because we do push you quite hard, actually, out of your comfort zone. So a couple of common questions then. So if I'm a bit stuck, how do I get help? Um, you ask, literally raise your hand, uh, go, hi, Rich, I'm stuck, and we'll find a way to get you unstuck. Um, we, you know, we'll have, maybe you need to have a one-to-one, -one, we need to have a quick call, something like that, and we'll find a way. Um, but if you miss one of the training, one of the sessions, hey, they're all stored online, um, so you can catch up with them from that. You've got six months to complete it. Um, uh, you should, you, there's no way you should take that long. You know, I think you can get it done in kind of, a lot of people whiz through it, um, and then go back and do it again. That's generally how it works. Um, so you can do it in probably about you know thirty to I'd say between thirty and sixty days to get it all all through done. Um, with a that's with a time investment of probably only an hour hour a day, a couple of hours a day. Um, how long do, do I have to complete them all? Well, yeah, <laughs> um, they're sequential, and if you don't complete them all, you'll find there are gaps. When you get to the end of module challenges, then you'll find there are gaps. What's a Brucey bonus? So we reward bravery, as you've probably seen, by people doing, you know, doing the selfie. If you step out of your comfort zone and we we see it, you flag us in it, we reward you. You know, you get, a, you know, you'll get uh, some merch or one-to-one. Um, -one. You know, you'll get something from it. And why are you making me do videos, you asshole? That's exact. That's actually how people ask me that. And the reason is, is because video is the key. If you're doing videos, you can turn video into lots of other types of content. Um, if you're starting with blogs, it's difficult to do. So we start with video because that's what we prefer. So, um, yes, and we're really proud of it. You know, we've had some really great results. A lot of people kind of end up paying the cost of the course in the first month just simply because of the change in the language that you're using, communicating much more effectively with their um, client base and um, Lisa there is actually she's um, uh, one of the client you know it's it's a really nice kind of uh, nice little group so um, question you're asking probably is what's it the, the cost going to be what's well, in sterling and this is adjusted for the VAT um, 
So I'll have to rework that because obviously you're XVAT because you're off, you're offshore. But essentially, the investment is two four nine up front, and then it's fifty pounds a month for six months. So I'll have to do some calculations to work what that out is in dollars. But um, essentially, that's how it works. We, we do over six months. Um, when the guys in the UK are going back to work, uh, I'm changing the pricing. This was a sort of lockdown, taking into account that no one was earning any money. But we've had people do this and actually make more money closed than they did open. Clearly, I need to have a word with them about that. But um, it's, it's quite an effective process. We also have an affiliate program. So if you refer anybody to us, um, we reward you for that. So, you know, you can get discounts on other services we do or actually just give you 50 pounds or whatever that is in equivalent of Australian dollars um, as a sort of uh, as a reward for it. And just a few final words okay so my coach so i'm ex i was i'm ex-military i was in the royal navy for eight years my coaching style was created by by that and that's how i learned to lead so i learned to work with people um so it's it's pretty direct um and we don't i don't give cpd points or anything like that there's no certificates for turning up what i'm here to do is to help you grow the business um so if you don't lean in you'll get nothing from it you have to commit um, and focus, consistency, and discipline is literally what you'll need. But when you come out the other side of it, your business will be very, very different because you will be different. Um, and I will push you outside your comfort zone. That's why I'm here. Um, but there is a process that is very, very effective. You just trust in it, but you've got to have self-belief. That's the key to it all. So there we go. Um, that was it. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, so if you're interested, I mean, basically we, we run it in cohorts. So um, first, the, the next cohort starts on the 1st of June, um, which might be a bit soon for people. But one after that starts on the 1st of July. Um, so if anybody's interested in, you know, in joining the one that starts on Monday or the one that starts on the 1st of July, you now know everything you need to know, get in touch. That's fantastic. And I know that um, in Australia, we, um, we tend to have a lot of clinics in some certain areas and certain cities and people don't necessarily want to have um, the same marketer or the yeah. same sort of coach or people are very secretive, I'm I guess, what, I was, what I'm trying to say. And yeah. um, so I think that that's fantastic because they can join a community mm. where nobody else in Melbourne might be. There's a, yeah, we're not, we don't have a massive amount of penetration in Australia. So it's a good chance that there's no one in there that, you know, um, but also the other, the other thing about that is I, I can have two people in literally the same street, uh, doing exactly the same business and they'll approach it in different ways because I'm not afraid of competition. I don't think anybody really should be because ultimately there is a client for you and there's a client for someone else. There's, there's enough food out there for everyone to eat and people will connect with you in a different way. They'll connect with other people. And this is why I'm kind of what I try and, you know, get people to think about is yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's great to have one eye on the competition every now and again, but not, you want to be leading your own community, not following what someone else is doing. Um, and that, that is much more effective kind of thought process than constantly worrying about the stress of worrying about what your competitors are doing. Just, breathe it out just let it go get on with what you're doing it's a lot easier um but yeah so um but no i think we 
in terms of time difference and things like that, because I do most of the calls um, in the evening, so UK time, it's AM, obviously your time. So, um, you know, we, we pick up that and it actually works quite nicely because then you've got the whole day to kind of think about things and implement, ask questions. And then when I get up, um, I, I can address them. So it works quite nicely when we get into that rhythm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume that the majority of people that do your courses are um, doctors or registered nurses. Practitioners. No, we've got, we've, we've got a real spread actually of, because essentially aesthetics is broader than just injectables. So my background is, you know, heavily injectables, but we've got a broad spread of people um, from lots of different specialities and disciplines. Um, there's, there are certain groups that we don't work with who we don't think basically people are appropriately qualified to do injectables it kind of bounce off our community to be honest with you mm -hmm. but um on the whole yeah we've got anybody from semi-permanent semi makeup dentists doctors surgeons um you know across the whole kind of spectrum of aesthetics really it's fantastic really exciting um thank you so much for sharing all this information with us tonight oh i really hope that you guys are up and running soon yeah i think we're looking at Independence Day is what everyone's talking about, which is 4th of July. That's when I think, I mean, we're, we're having things eased next week. Um, but yeah, things will start to get, I think, back to some sort of normality um, for that first week in July. You know, fingers crossed. But um, it's been a hell of a ride, isn't it? Yes. Well, you're doing well, you know, four kids at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. You're still smiling, so it <laughs> can't be too bad I'm in, for you. I'm in, my, I'm in here most days, hiding in here. <laughs> yeah. One last question before you go. Yeah. Who inspires you? Wow, who inspires me? Um, do you know what? There's, lots, there's not one person, I think. It depends. Lots of different people. I mean, actually, funnily enough, my, my clients actually, funnily enough, inspire me quite a lot um, with the way that they sort of pick things up and then change it, and then all of a sudden... You know, there's a little bit of, a, a, you know, they, just a small amount of guidance or wisdom they've got from what, from what we're talking about. And all of a sudden that's turned into like a full-blown marketing campaign that's made them loads of money. And I'm like, that for me is really inspirational. But I think from a sort of, if you're looking at it from a, from a business perspective, um, I suppose kind of, uh, there's a guy called Stephen Covey who um, is, has been very, very influential in, in my business development. He's the author of a book, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, that's a great book for me to, that I kind of read. I never met him, but I'd love to have met him, um, find him a very inspirational character. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it really. Yeah. You have to work quite hard to inspire me. <laughs> no, that's really- What about you? Oh my goodness. I, I'm, I'm easily pleased. <laughs> I'm inspired by the Oprah quotes and uh, Michelle Obama and all the um, cool, wonderful, powerful women out there. I think, oh, yeah. wow. aren't you amazing? Um, but yes, no, oh my gosh, so many. There's actually a really cool podcast I'm getting to, Small Business, um, Big Marketing. Okay. And um, it's really good. And it was actually talking um, about personal branding and that there was research that's been done at a university um, in Australia and the companies and the businesses that have leveraged branding um, and being relatable have actually been, you know, um, I forget what the statistic was, but there is a percentage more successful than other businesses. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the personal branding is, is that's it's like I said, you know, these are currencies, right? It's trust, et cetera, et cetera. And the, I think that the, the bar is quite low in, in that you know, there's lots of, that's what you know, said to you, if go and Google your competitors and have a look at what they're doing, you'll probably see them talk about products, services, or commodities. They don't talk about themselves. And those are the stories that people want to hear. That's the personal brand. And the bar I think is quite low. So you don't have to work that hard to be, um, you know, to stand out. You just got to be brave. And that's the thing. That's the leadership part of it. It's the bravery of, so, um, and, you know, to what people inspire me, my dad's got some cracking quotes. So when I was growing up, he just said, if you assume that 50% of people think you're an idiot, then don't worry about the rest. You don't worry about them. And I'm like, it's a fair point, you know, I've always thought that it's like, you know, anything you say, 50% of people can think you're an idiot. So who cares what the world thinks of you? Be brave. That the asset in the business is you. Yes. And that's the thing that's got to be leveraged and sold, not the product, not the machine, you. And that's mm. what, you know, that's what we focus, what I've been focusing on for, you know, last you know, few years. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know I said that that was one more question and then I'll let you go, but have one more, one more, okay. just, just one more. Um, okay. Have you ever had anybody who has come in to um, be mentored or do one of the, the um, courses like Launchpad and mm. you've thought, oh my goodness, this person is just in such a bad headspace and they're just a total idiot. They're never, ever going to get it. And then they've surprised you and done really well or have they failed? Um. Have I ever, yeah, I suppose, have I been surprised? Yeah, actually, there's, there's been a, one or two who have, have kind of surprised me. And I think it's, I think I have a bit of a sort of, a, you get a bit of a sixth sense about your clients anyway. So the people who kind of, um, I, I find that they're just, it's just wrong headspace, wrong time. Um, I actually refer them to a mindset coach, a prop, so that, you know, you're not, it's not like you need to go and have your head examined, but go and sit and work with, talk to someone who can work through the, that, that whole value proposition. Usually when they hit me like that, it's because they've basically just come out of the NHS or something like that. And their value systems on the floor, it's difficult to pick them up. So then I can say, go work with a mindset coach. Um, but more often than not, they'll hit, come in. And the ones who surprise me are generally the ones who are quite young. They're young and they're in the twenties, young, energetic. And I think, you know, you've got a lot to learn. And then suddenly, bang, right? You know, they've just got it and they're off. And see, where did, how did you do that? How did you do that? You know, they've got like from zero, they've like, I have no business at all. to like smashing it. And that's the bit that sort of catches me some by surprise sometimes is the speed that people can turn themselves into a brand and into a business. Um, and it's, I think a lot of it's down to fat, it's lack of fear. They don't care. They just go for it. And they don't worry about what people say or who's judging them. It's just done. Whereas the older you get, I think you become more fearful and second guess and things. And it takes a bit longer and you've obviously got family responsibilities and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's a bit that sort of surprises me. Or, or actually conversely, you know, the older people who kind of get their head around, you know, Instagram. When they said, oh, I'll, never be, I'll never be using social media. And the next thing you know is it absolutely smashing Instagram. So, um, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that surprises me. That's so cute, though. <laughs> that it is good when it happens. Yeah. Oh. You get, I guess 
sense of warm sense of pride. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> good on you, good on you. Well, so um, I'm hoping to, I'm still hoping to uh, be over in March. That's still the plan. Um, so hopefully we can sort of, you know, we can meet up and do some a workshop or something there for the Aussie guys in yes, March. Yes, I believe we're meeting in Byron. That's right. Yeah, Byron yes. is the plan. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so right. much. Take Bye. care. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to the brand spanking new podcast today, we'd love for you to leave a review. Simply open your podcast app and click five stars.